Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. All right, Irene, we're going to get spicy. I, our most downloaded podcasts are about sex. And every time I do like a Q&A with my audience and with my husband, all they want to know is like how much sex we're having and how sex and like how do we deal with, you know, body changes after sex. Your whole life and your career, not your whole life, I hope you have a life outside of sex, but your career has been built around sex and intimacy, Talk to me a little bit how you found yourself in that line of work. I'm jealous, to be honest. I'm like, that sounds amazing. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if the story is as sexy as it could be. Um, But if you had uh, told me 10 years ago or, well, more than that, 15 years ago or 20 years ago that I would be doing this, I would have not believed you. I thought this would be absolutely preposterous. And I worked in the corporate world and was this very intellectual person. and. Um, the thing that led me to do this work is that about 15 years ago, I was married, um, got married at a relatively young age, the, um, mid twenties. And I ended up in a sexless marriage and I ended up losing my libido mm. and it was devastating. Yeah. It, uh, it was devastating because it was in a way, an end of a dream of having a passionate romantic relationship with the love of my life at the time. It was devastating in terms of losing my own libido and ending up like this, this kind of shell of who, um, I was, who I thought I was as a woman. And of course it was a loss of connection between me and my husband, um, that it was devastating and that it led to a divorce. That left me in shatters in the years after the divorce until I, uh, there was a, a, a several events that led me to basically what Brene Brown calls nervous breakdown slash spiritual awakening that had me really focus on what do I want? What's important to me? And for me, having a relationship and having a sexual relationship has always been important as a child from a pretty early age, I would dream about being in love and making Mm. love. 
mm-hmm. in whatever that looked like to a child. Mm-hmm. But it was always this, like I was always connected to this image. And so um, it remind that work that I was doing reminded me of what's really important to me. And so I went on a journey to understand myself, to understand what had happened with my libido, which still was completely absent. I mean, it disappeared and was nowhere to be found. And I really thought I was asexual and that I wasn't really like a woman, fully a woman and all of that. And uh, thankfully, this journey that I went on uh, completely busted those myths or conclusions that I made. And I learned a lot about myself. I learned about connecting to myself and my sexuality, feeding my sexuality, which is one of the topics that I really talk to my clients about and to to people that women's sexuality needs to be fed, Mm -hmm. Um, that it's not spontaneous the way it happens for men. Yes. And um, that just sparked this huge, not only interest in me, but this purpose in me because I learned that I wasn't broken and I wasn't any less sexual and that what happened in my relationship was quite common. One thing that I really love about this and and something that I've maybe never recognized before is in hearing and talking to other sex coaches or intimacy coaches or sex therapists even, um, it always, libido feels like something that's talked about enough a lot, but I don't know that I've ever known if they struggled with it themselves. And I think immediately that was so helpful. And I think a lot of people maybe exhaled when you said that, because I know for myself, I've been there. I I remember telling a girlfriend, it feels like an app on my phone that I just deleted. It's just not there anymore. And then there's been times and seasons I had a complicated pregnancy. Everyone who listens knows I wasn't allowed to have sex. And Mm -hmm. so therefore, my challenge in my marriage was in a very young and new marriage was to find that intimacy in a very new way and to figure out how to get through that when, you know, you're pregnant and horny as fuck. And then coming out of that, going into postpartum when you're like, thank God I can have sex again. And then it's like, oh, I actually just have no desire to whatsoever. Now being in a season where I'm like, wait, it came back. But I recognize what you're saying. Like it came back with like a lot of nourishment. And that was like not something that I always could. Not my husband is amazing and he's but he's very of like consent has to be like very loud in our marriage. So he would not push if I was ever like not even a little bit enthusiastic that it's like, no, that it's a no. And so a lot of times like my own libido was very dependent on like my own connection with myself. I'd love to sort of talk to you about that because I think there is this rift that often happens in relationships when there is a uneven match of sexual desire. And if that responsibility is of somebody in a relationship or how you sort of broach the subject of, I don't feel like, and as anybody who's ever not felt like having sex that has sex, it can be almost like reverse that intimacy, right? Like it does the opposite effect. It feels invasive. It feels not right. It feels disconnected because you're disconnected from self. So in the efforts of sort of understanding our libido and the realities of that, how can we also approach that in an unmatched libido relationship? It's a layered question. (laughs) There's lots of layers here. I'm sure you get a lot of this like similar, like, and then help me. (laughs) 
Yes, and and I'm prepared. Uh, so let me let me unpack a couple okay. of questions in this big question. Um, so one thing that I want to validate, which is like you said, having sex when you don't feel like it, having sex out of obligation, having sex to fulfill your partner's needs but ignore yours. Um, it, I call this kind of sex obligatory sex. And like you said, it is the exact opposite of connection. And it actually has um, what I call diminishing returns. So the more you have obligatory sex out of obligation, guilt, pressure, the more your body will want less of it. Ooh, that's an important thing for people to know. And this is one of the most prevalent reasons why women lose our libido is that we, in many ways, are more prone to giving ourselves up, more prone of doing things obligation to keep the peace, to make our partners happy. But in the end, we hurt ourselves and then we hurt the relationship. Yeah. Because it really, it goes against everything that your body knows to do, which is to orient to safety and pleasure rather than force self-betrayal and, yeah. and yeah. overriding the body's messages. So again, I see this as one of the main reasons why so many women struggle with libido. We do too much out of obligation. Mm. And it's also understandable why we do this because women's libido is... Nothing like it's portrayed in the movies, mm -hmm. nothing like it's portrayed out there. And still even, um, you know, the, the wrong messages about women's libido are all over the medical world and even, even um, some traditional sex therapy and uh, psych psychology and psychiatry. We, per we have been perpetuating these myths about women's sexuality. Um, one of them is that it should look like the man's version yeah. of it. Yeah. And then, of course, comparing men to women, women look broken. We're not yeah. spontaneously turned on. It takes all this foreplay and you need to warm her up and all this stuff. And I kind of use this voice to to um, to mimic this kind of like annoyance with this, like women need all this time. Like that's what society has coupled women's mm. sexuality with. They're difficult. They take time. They take all this extra effort. Which there's some truth to it, but it's not about effort or or like taking time, but it's really honoring women's bodies and actually the magic that we possess when yes. you play with a woman's body and when you work with the cyclicality and when you work with the like the the changes and the unpredictability. It's kind of like sailing. Like, yeah. No, I'm so glad that you said the cycling because my husband and I, whenever we're like, somebody had asked us like how much sex we we're having. I'm like, it's first of all, it's so wild that we're always so curious about how much sex everybody's having because we're like, want to measure if our like relationship is like up to par. And uh, one thing with ours is like, well, it depends on the week because if Sarah's cycle is here, it's a lot. And if Sarah's cycle is here, it's not. And like, I love that we sort of follow that cycle a little bit and it makes things so great. Like, I don't know. I just, you get to an age where you're like, I'm not here for mediocre. I don't want to, they're like, we're in our late thirties now. We're not here to just like, we both have hands. We could take care of like having an orgasm on our own. So when it comes to like intimacy and sex, like 
why waste time on something that's like not good? Like we want it to be good. And following that cycle has been, has made like, I would rather have mind blowing sex three times a month than have mediocre sex three times a week. That's my opinion. That's where I stand. But I think one thing that a lot of people bring up and maybe why this question comes up so often is how to deal with when it's unmatched in the other way. Because like you said, men are, you know, spontaneous. They, we are, we were raised to believe that they think of sex every six seconds. They must be ready to go all the time. And then all of a sudden you find your partner saying no. And that's not something we were ever taught would happen or could happen, or maybe in past relationships never would. And then you're in relationships now. And and I get this question a lot where women are asking, you know, what do I do when my partner doesn't want sex as much as I do? And I feel really lost or I feel undesirable. I don't know how to deal with this feeling, which I wonder if also puts into why we sometimes succumb to obligatory sex because we don't want them to feel undesirable. We don't want them to have to deal with those emotions too. So how do we sort of deal with the other side of it when your partner who is maybe a male isn't feeling that libido and now you're left with the feeling of, oh, now what? So this isn't a question about sex. This is actually a question about intimacy. Mm. And intimacy is the answer to how to deal with this. And differences in sexual desire are natural. Differences in opinions of how to do things from raising children to where to live, all of that, they're always going to come up in a relationship. And so that's why it's not particularly about sex that this question is referring to. It's about how do you deal with differences? How do you deal with hurt feelings? And it could be blaming each other or shutting down or the intimacy way. And I really, I think of it as about daring intimacy because intimacy is so freaking scary. It's yeah. so vulnerable, yeah. but daring intimacy way is the way of curiosity and of vulnerability. Like, Hey, this is what's happening for me. Can I share with you what's, mm. what's going on when this happens? And I'm equally curious about what's going on for you. Yeah. And especially if there's a change from wanting sex before to not wanting sex saying like, I noticed there's a shift and you have, I'm sure you have good reasons for not wanting it today. And I'm wondering what's happening. Yeah. And coming into this from curiosity and from understanding and from benefit of the doubt, like mm. you said, like I, I, I am sure you have good reasons. Yeah. Tell me about them. What's going on for you? Yeah, this is a very different conversation than a conversation that, uh, that features blame or withdrawing, or mm. you know, even um, you know, we think we talk about feelings when we say, "Oh, I'm so frustrated. This is not happening. Why aren't you initiating?" <laughs> but that's more blame. That's more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the vulnerable conversation that I'm talking about. Yeah. And so that ability to have that intimate conversation, that ability to get vulnerable and that curi- to get curious is the answer. There, there is no actual objective answer. This is what you should do when you have yeah, yeah. discrepancy and desire. What actually has to happen is you figure what needs to happen together. Yeah. I just want to add this piece because this mm-hmm. is really important and I don't feel like enough people are talking about this, that 
discrepancy and desire, differences in desire. One person wants sex more, more frequently, more, I don't know, in an adventurous way than the other person. That is not something to solve by one of the people. That sexual desire in a relationship is a couple's issue because it's about you having sex with your partner, you having desire to be with your partner, not just to have sex with someone else, Yes, but with, with the person that you are in a relationship with. And relationships are systems. Mm-hmm. A couple is not one plus one equals two. Mm-hmm. A couple is so much more than the sum of those two individual people. And so issues in the relationship need to be dealt by both partners. Both partners need to be in the room talking about their needs and their feelings and their reactions and their um, the, the ways that they're dealing with things and yeah. finding a common solution, not yeah. an objective solution that exists out there, but it's a negotiation and a you know, this vulnerable dance between each other. A lot of us now have notifications turned off on our phones, except for I always notice my friends who run their businesses, they often leave one notification on and that's the cha-ching sound of a Shopify new sale. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify and the moment another business dream becomes a reality. Doesn't that make you so happy that when you're shopping from a business and you get to know that your sale makes a little cha-ching sound on their phone, notifying them of a new sale? That just makes me so happy to think about. And I've been a witness to it. It's such a beautiful, exciting moment. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're selling earrings or crochet items, Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. Shopify covers every sales channel from in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And not only that, it's packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth. Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills in design or code. This is huge. This gives opportunity to so many more. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. A lot of us really hold ourselves off from our dreams. We think about something that we want to do and it feels so far away to take the steps to do so. And I think what's really neat about Shopify and this day and age is that those steps have gotten a lot shorter and smaller. It's not this big leap of learning and having to learn code and figuring out how to make sales. It's simplified and it's done so that you can do your best work. You can live that dream and you can hear that cha-ching. I did not mean for that to rhyme, but I love it. Right now, you can sign up for $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash papaya, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash papaya to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash papaya. It's your turn to get serious about selling and try Shopify today. This is a possibility powered by Shopify. Let's get back to the show. Are you looking for some good 
clean positivity? Good, me neither. I'm Maddie Murphy and I host The Bad Broadcast, a weekly comedy podcast dedicated to talking about everything we love to hate. I searched my whole life to find my passion. Little did I know I had been practicing my true talent every single day, complaining. Join me every Monday wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast to answer our weekly questions and for a chance to be featured on the show. See you there. I think it's interesting too, when we, um, whenever I have turned down sex, my reasons have never been, I don't love you or I'm not attracted to you there. I'm touched out. I'm stressed. I'm tired. I'm just not in the mood. And those are my reasons. But yet it's so interesting when you get rejected on the other side or like, even in a gentle way, you're like, am I, do they love me? Are they attracted to me? And I remember when you talked about what you're kind of sharing about whenever I've sort of had those conversations with my husband in times that we were unmatched on the other way around, it's always been stress, work, tired. It's never been, I don't love you and I'm not attracted to you. So I think a lot of it, a lot of the um, surge of emotions comes from like this fear, this fear of like what we've been taught and what is reality. But I'm sure a lot of people come to you with, I'm struggling to have desire, have the libido. I don't want this to be something I'm struggling with and I'm ready and I'm willing to start taking the steps to figure out how to reignite it. What are some key things that you would maybe tell some of the people that you coach through this intimacy and sex coaching? Well, one thing is that changes in libido are absolutely natural. Mm-hmm. Both individuals, as we age, as our hormones change, as our life situations shift, you may have a really fulfilling job and then you switch and you're in a yeah. toxic environment and it's overwhelming you. So all of those external factors will affect people, men and women. Yes. Maybe differently, but equally, they're, they're big factors in our libido. Yes. Um, so libido will, will change, guaranteed. What also will change is... is the dynamic between partners, you may be out of sync. Like one is in a nourishing career and the other one hates their career and you're affected differently by things. Um, Childbirth is a lot harder, is a heavier physical burden on the woman Mm -hmm. than the man. Mm -hmm. Not, not, we're not comparing, but at the same time, right? Carrying a baby, nurturing a baby, you're overtouched. You are uh, your body is not your own. There are changes that are happening that a man would not be affected by. Yes. So I often talk about um, the relationship going through phases where sex dies, where what you what worked before ends up no longer working. So you got to mm-hmm. reset it. And so all of this is to say that changes are guaranteed. And it's not personal because this is mm-hmm. one of the things that happens to every couple that comes to work with me is that they take it personally. They think yeah. because their partner doesn't love them or doesn't is not attracted to them, all of those things. So what number one is take a step back and realize that what you're going through is completely natural and normal and that it's actually not personal. Mm. And that allows you to then... Um, oftentimes get out of these cycles of blame, self-blame or blaming the other person and to start to get curious what's going on. Yeah. And 
that curiosity will serve you, especially if you work with, with someone like me, like the curiosity starts to build this new version of sex. Once the previous dies, the new one has a chance to come up. Mm-hmm. That's what I help couples do is discover each other, discover what works. And the loss of libido or that loss of passion between a couple, that's something that, again, is natural and predictable, which means that it's fixable. Yes. As- I mean, yeah, I feel like I I, sh- I say lucky at the time I would have cursed myself for ever saying this when I had to go on pelvic rest because I was banned from having sex and I was so angry at the time and and so frustrated but it really did push us as a couple to have to find new ways to be intimate and I would have never have thought in a million years how much a kiss and hand holding would have meant if it wasn't for that time and then when I went in through the season of you know losing my libido as I went through postpartum and waiting for it to be regained it no longer felt like a threat against the relationship because we had found this other ground of intimacy. And what I find so fascinating about this now, as our sex life has like truly gone almost back to honeymoon stage, is that it always begins in the same way that it was in the times that we weren't having sex, which is like handholding, cuddling, intimacy, a kiss. And it's never just like grabbing somebody and throwing them into a room. It's like, no, it's, it's blossoming from that foundational intimacy that we created with each other, which is we're here, we love each other, we're attracted to each other. And even when sex isn't available, whether by or medical order or by one of us choosing that, that we have a deep-rooted connection with each other and an intimacy that can thrive. And that's something that, and I think that when I said about my husband is only about like enthusiastic, uh, like yes is in the bedroom, it's really allowed us room to sort of like breathe and move through sex in a way that like it, when we have sex, we know we're both like in it. It's not an obligation. We're very happy enthusiastically to be having sex, but also that when it's not happening, I no longer feel that like fear of threat. And I wish other people could sort of, and I know many, many, many couples who have sexless marriages for many different reasons. Um, And, you know, you're somebody whose marriage, you know, did not make it after being a sexless marriage. Is there advice you would give to people who are sort of like we had gone through going through that and maybe not in a place where the libido is restored and not wanting to do the obligation sex? And really, is there like some key ways that I I just know it works for me and I don't want to project, but like ways that we can find intimacy in a way that could blossom into sexual relations later on, or perhaps that night. Yeah. Yeah. I'm smiling um, because what, actually what you described is exactly what I teach. And what you described is a, is a very, very important element in a romantic relationship, which is creating context where you get to be lovers and mm. lovers does not only mean having sex, Yes. That being lovers is being physically together, being, it could be comforting each other physically. It could be making out. It could be touching each other, giving each other a muscle massage or giving each other a sensual massage. It could be handholding, mm-hmm. but it is that you are lovers with each other in ways that no one else get to be in that yes. situation with you. And couples who are, for example, in a sexless marriage, This is what I teach them to do and have them practice all the time is creating these contexts because most couples 
either have touch and sex together and then no touch because they're having no sex. And and, and because they're probably afraid if I touch you, you're going to think I want sex and I don't know how to broach that. Exactly. So they avoid it completely. Mm. And then they become touch starved and they become not only sexually frustrated, but they become starved of human connection. Mm. That creates a downward spiral. Yes. To reverse that, absolutely start with hand-holding. Start with laying there on the couch, no pressure to have sex, but just start to enjoy each other's bodies. Mm-hmm. Relax into each other enough to fall asleep with each other. Yes, yes. Right? Start to rebuild these situations where you get to be lovers. This is the t- the the physical aspect of it, but also doing it verbally. Mm. Have heart to heart conversations. I know for especially new parents, but this is this is typical for pretty much everyone. You resort to having conversations about household chores, what yep. the pets need, what the kids need, yep. schedules, this and that. But have a heart and heart conversation about mm-hmm. what you've been dreaming about doing. Yeah. What's been your favorite part of today? What do you yeah. you want to do tomorrow? What scares you about yeah. know, this work situation that you're in? Yeah. And start to have lovers conversations, heart to mm. heart. I love that redefinition, re- redefinition of lovers because it is about the things you get to do with each other that you don't do with other people and how special that is apart from sex. And I think what I love about that, like I, we recognize within ourselves every single time we went on a date, it was like a, we always would end up talking about the kids or schedule stuff or house stuff. So now we've sort of like reframed it. We're like, we can't avoid that. So let's get that out of the way at the very beginning, because this is how we support each other in our lives. And we have a chance to do that. But then like, once that's done, we tuck it out of the way and we get on to the rest and like those intimate conversations. It's hard when you've got little kids. I mean, we're not going out for lavish dates anymore. We're literally laying in bed together and just sort of like recapping our feelings or, or unfolding things that are going on in our life. And sort of that, what I do with my teens sometimes, like sitting side to side in the car, like sometimes those are your chances to have those those moments with your partner. And that's still such a cool realm of intimacy. And I was much like you, a little girl thinking about this like big, passionate, beautiful life that you would live and imagining sleeping in the same bed as somebody and getting to have sex. And and then you grow up and and I don't know that the reality isn't beautiful, isn't that beautiful or as framed as it is. It's just different. And it's like even more beautiful than you could possibly imagine because we really reduced lovers to sex. And to grow up and recognize that like being lovers with somebody is so much more just opens up so many doors of opportunity and removes that feeling of if I don't have sex with my partner, they're immediately going to go and cheat on me. They're going to look for sex and intimacy somewhere else. But I like reframing it into we can create intimacy without sex. What I don't have to have obligation sex we can have a really beautiful relationship as we sort of wait it out, as we sort of rediscover, as we sort of create that bud that we hope to bloom and blossom again when it comes to sex. Because women especially, especially postpartum, I, I I couldn't believe even for myself, I was so ready to have sex and it was just like immediately gone. I was like, well, fuck. And it's embarrassing. <laughs> it's embarrassing to be like, I don't know the last time we've had sex. Like, are we in a good marriage? Like, is there something wrong here? You start to question because again, 
the framework that we believed relationships to be and what lovers looked like is different from reality, but no less beautiful. So I really, really appreciate the way that you, I've just never had that reframed to me like that before. So that was really, really cool. And I want to build on on the image that you just painted of, of a bud that opens up. Mm. And this, to have lovers time together, to be physical and verbal and not just sex, actually is one of the key nutrients in feeding women's libido. Mm. So I th- there's various ways to, or there's various um, aspects of a woman's libido. So there's the biological, the urge, the horniness that comes from the hormone. Usually it's around ovulation or it's the highest around ovulation. So it's very cyclical that way. And there's another way to create libido, which is by nurturing it and feeding it through intimacy, through sensuality, through connection. And so this lover's time is actually a combination of all of them. Mm. And Think of, of yourself when you were when you were dating, when you were in love. That attention felt amazing. Being the most important person, like you were in a room in a restaurant and there were people and no one existed for your yeah. partner. It was just you, right? They're just looking into your eyes. And that was magical. Mm-hmm. And that sensuality of exploring each other, of just touching each other, as opposed to trying to get each other off. That was so arousing and opening. Those can all be reintroduced back intentionally. Mm. In the beginning of a relationship, the hormones make you do it. Like our human race wants to reproduce itself. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Have a baby and be done with it. Yeah. That's not going to last, but you can certainly reintroduce those elements into your relationship. And that's how you actually feed a woman's libido to be much more than what is biologically provided by that monthly cycle. Mm. Getting it through intimacy, sensuality, connection, openness, play. Yes. We respond to that so much. And that can can create a continuous flow of sexual desire as opposed to once a month or some kind of a... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so fascinating. I I have never really realized that there's like a two prong way, but yeah. I mean, even though that biological really definitely makes everything different, my husband can't even get a new haircut without coming home. And I'm like, oh my God, we need to immediately have sex. That's the biological. Um, and, but I'm, I'm glad that there is a nurturing version because as you get older, you approach the reality that menopause is coming. And what happens when you're no longer of a reproductive age, is that just a sexless life? And I love that there is so much more and that there is so much more love and intimacy and sex that comes, um, beyond just the biology of it, which I think is so, so, so special. So thank you so much. And thank you for everything you shared today. I am, very excited that we got to have this conversation. I think it's, I hope it's going to be very eye-opening for everyone listening, but for those who are looking to dive into your work and everything you do, where can they find you? Well, thank you so much for having me and having this very juicy and rich conversation. Yeah, I love it. Um, I am very active on my website, which is the best way to find me. And the website is irenefair.com. And I have hundreds of blog posts about sexual desire in a long-term relationship and women's libido. 
And I also have a free video series called How to Want Sex Again that's available on the website. Again, irenefair.com. So it's it's a resource-rich website. And of course, there's um, ways to reach out to me to work with me individually. I work with primarily couples, mm-hmm. um, but also single women, because as mm-hmm. I said, women in relationship, we got to work on sex and, and with a couple together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I'm so happy that we got to do this. Appreciate you. And for everyone listening, I'm going to have the show notes for you as well. Just so you know, that's irenefair.com to check that out. And we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the Papaya community by downloading my free app, Pink Papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, Pink Papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at Pink Papaya app. Just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at The Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.